you'll hear the phrase, I'm going to tell you what you need to hear rather than what you want to hear. I myself had to say that my fair number of times, but human design definitely goes there with us, with people, with our engagements, with the reasons why we've got the endowments we do and the reasons why we have tendencies when we interact with other people's tendencies. And it provides a really detailed roadmap for the logistics of life. Aloha from the Ohana Green Witches. You're listening to the Herbal Journey Podcast with the Ohana Green Witches. I'm your host, Karen Gipple, along with my co-hosts and sisters, Caroline and Christina, here to take you on an herbal journey. We are sharing relatable stories and knowledge from holistic healers who ditched the conventional lifestyle and purposely found health in the alternative. As for us, our herbal journey began with our own healing of our body, mind, and spirit, which we found through herbalism and nature's wisdom. And that's where it all began. Join us as we travel the U.S. in our RV, visiting different organic farms and holistic businesses bringing you insights into the most effective holistic therapy practices to reconnect us to nature and awaken our own healing magic, helping assist you in remembering your own beautiful, natural wisdom through the guidance and whispers of our plant allies. Where will your herbal journey begin? Today's podcast episode is sponsored by Sky Chen from Revealing Fate. He is a psychic reader, Chinese astrologist and shamanic energy healer. His healings assist with shamanic energy medicine we call ethereal calibration or EC. EC aligns the body, mind, and soul to work in harmony as a whole. These healings release what blocks you and revitalizes the relationship you have with your truth. The effects of EC are powerful and continue beyond a single session. In his psychic reading, Sky may channel into all areas of your life for answers and guidance. He draws upon past lives, guides, ancestors, and our relationship with spirit in order to convey what needs to be communicated. To schedule your session or to support what he does, go to or search for him on Facebook or Instagram at Sky Chen Psychic. This month's episode is brought to you by Ohana Green Witches. Our mission is to help support a healthy lifestyle through high-quality handcrafted tropical herb plant supplements and educational workshop experiences in sacred plant medicine, providing ways to awaken us to our own self-healing, reconnect us to nature, and provide community enrichment. Handcrafted in Hawaii with pure organically sourced ingredients to support local agriculture and sustainable farming practices, bringing nourishment to the whole self, mind, body, and spirit as one. Reconnect with nature and awaken your own self-healing. Aloha and welcome to this month's episode of the Herbal Journey Podcast. Today's guest speaker is a shamanic energy healer and natural-born psychic reader. He provides healings that assist with shamanic energy medicine called ethereal calibration, or EC, to align the body, mind, and soul to work in harmony as a whole. He is a psychic median, Chinese astrologist, and the owner of Revealing Fate. Please welcome Sky Chen. He is one of our really good friends that we had the pleasure of meeting during a festival in Dubuque, Iowa, we were doing over Halloween. It was a great meeting of Chewbacca meets the Three Green Witches. He has a wealth of knowledge on a variety of different healing modalities, and today we are going to be discussing the inner workings of the human design system. 
We are super excited to have Sky on the show today and hope you enjoy his humorous and delightful energy. Aloha and welcome to our Herbal Journey podcast. Today we have Sky Chen with us. Welcome, Sky. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for inviting me on to this. This is going to be really, really cool and beefy, beefy discussion. I'm ready. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Yes, I'm so excited to go down this rabbit hole with you. <laughs> Human design and all of the wonderful healing aspects that you provide. So thank you again for coming. Yeah, for sure. And I like how literally just yesterday we were talking about this and it just I just mentioned it to you for the first time. And you looked into it and already you're intrigued. And it always comes up with the right people, I find, where because human design is a it's a beast. Like it, it's astrology on steroids. And even for me, it's been like six or seven years since I was introduced to it. And there's still so, so much I'm learning about it and the depths to it and the context. And um, it's a really great tool for continual growth and learning and explaining for why it is you feel the way that you do and others do when we're interacting with each other and how to respect one another's differences and how to work with that. Because I think a lot of that dialogue is missing in today's society, um, especially in the West, where we're all kind of like gung-ho on me, a hustle culture, go get it, kind of very, shall I say, divinely masculine energy in the time of the feminine that should be ushering through with us needing to kind of be more receptive, be more open and learning and understanding rather than executive. Cause we've had thousands and thousands of years of that executive kind of mode that we've been in to build cities and build societies, build culture and systems that work for us. And we've kind of reached a certain Zenith, I guess you could say where that road ends and a new one begins in the age of Aquarius. But not to get too technical about it. I love it. It's cool. I can see where on my own path gone from this whole masculine energy side. And now I'm like awakening into more of my feminine aspects that I was afraid or wasn't intuitive about previously in like the other parts of my life journey. Isn't so that interesting? interesting. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? I'm getting, as you're saying this, I'm getting information. Do you mind if I just um, relay it? I should let everybody else listening kind of know with the segue. I, I'm a natural born psychic medium. So often I get stuff that comes through. I get information in all sorts of ways. I see, hear, know, and feel stuff. And right now I heard some stuff going on and I was kind of relating with you because oftentimes we choose our gender when we come in for a specific reason. And that was popping up right as soon as you were saying that, because a lot of times if we're women, let's say, and we feel more comfortable with that executive function side of our personality, where it's like, let's get it done. Let's go. I'm driven. I'm going to do this. And you're very in your divine masculine part of the journey in choosing to be female is to kind of help guide and ease into that side of things as far as experiences are concerned. And the exact same thing is set up for me in my life this time around too, just from the flip side 
of you gals because I've been a lot of women in my past lives. I've been a lot of men too, but it's been a long stream of ladiness up until this <laughs> life. And I'm a I'm a dude this time around because it's going to help me kind of guide my life path towards that executive functioning kind of thing where it's like, okay, I've got all these ideas. I've got all this inspiration. I've got all of this stuff coming to me. What am I going to do with that? How can I enact that? And um, it might have something to do with my delivery and how people receive me as a man versus being a woman. So it's really interesting to get into that stuff, especially when I'm interacting with people and then their past lives come through. Because a lot of us, if we're just starting the spiritual journey, we kind of have that uh, assumption when we enter the topic of past lives that we kind of just assume, oh, okay, if I'm going to reach into my past lives and and look into that obviously it's going to be all women if i'm a woman because it's what i identify with but i think a lot of that comes down to identity like yeah. what we're investing in yeah, that's but another- even in past lives you can be different different things like you can be animals you can be a man you can be a woman you can be a, a blue extraterrestrial being planet flying in who knows yeah i was just gonna say that caroline i was i knew you would pick up something about that but i focus right to you immediately i think that's our connection too because i've got the blue people connection for sure and actually a story about the poncho you remember the poncho or was i wearing a poncho or was i i think i was dressed up as chewbacca Chewbacca. okay Oh, well, but you had the poncho on later when we did my ceremony. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, you took Chewbacca off. <laughs> that got hot, man. Okay, so a little bit of context for people listening. That was a Halloween <laughs> show. So fun because we were able to dress up. And I have this yeah. chewy outfit, like this onesie or this onesie kind of thing. And man, that was that was sweaty <laughs> when I do those things. That poncho found me in a really cool way. Do you want to hear the story? It's, I'll just really briefly get into it. I went shoe shopping one day and my GPS accidentally took me to the opposite end of the mall. And I was like, oh, okay, well, mm, inconvenience, whatever. I just let it go. I was like, okay, we'll see where it, where it leads us. So I get out of my car, I walk in the doors, and the very first shop I see before me is this brand new shop that just opened that week. I knew about this because after going there and talking with the dude, he he told me a little bit of the backstory. But there was this traditional Peruvian, South American, Central American from all different countries and places, these hand-woven fabrics for like ponchos and quilts and all sorts of goodies and stuff, hats and mittens. And they were all handmade from llama and alpaca fur. And I was just mesmerized by this store because it's so beautiful, uh, not just visually, but the energy was good. It was good energy. And this guy behind the counter, a lot of times they'll try to sell you stuff. And then I don't really appreciate that pushiness factor. And so me being as sensitive as I am, I kind of tend to avoid shops like that. But this one caught my attention. So I was like, we're going to see where this leads. But I ended up staying a couple hours and I was just like looking at this and this and this. I was like, what do I get? I want to buy one half of the store, please. But, (laughs) But this, that poncho 
was the only one of its kind in that entire store. There was no other pair or size difference or color variation or pattern difference or anything of the sort. And it kept staring at me. It was like, get me. (laughs) So I got it. And it has some sort of connection. I'm not exactly sure specifically yet with the blue people and Peru itself because it was made in Peru. And now I'm getting a flashback of this shared vision that I had during a Reiki session. I'm not making your job hard because I'm going to all these different tangents, but I'm getting (laughs) so many different things connecting right now. It's pretty cool. But human design, human design, good. So let's, how can we segue into that? So, or maybe human design came. Oh, okay. Here's how we can segue into that. Human design the creator or the initiator, the bringer of it had like a 48 hour long journey episode where he claims that several beings not from this universe came to his place and they kind of showed him all of this stuff. And as you dig further into human design, you really start to awe and wonder at like how the heck did somebody conceptualize this and put it together so all the pieces and the seams fit like they do? Because human design incorporates regular Western astrology, Vedic astrology, with uh, with feng shui, with the chakra system, but actually it expands upon the chakra system because human design claims that there are actually nine chakras, not seven, for people since the mid-1700s or so. Wow. That period ties into why projectors exist here now too, Miss Carolyn. Projectors are like a new style of human being. It's like a commercial in the 80s for the new cell phones. It's like, have you tried generating? Have you tried manifesting? Well, if it's tiring, you might want to try projecting (laughs) (laughs) for only $9.95 each month, blah, 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 12 easy payments. <laughs> but it's also like uh I Ching, right? And it said it said something about yeah Kabbalah. I don't know what either one of those are. The, the Kabbalah is an ancient uh, Jewish, how would you say, occultist knowledge about I like to use the term incarnation because reincarnation implies linear time, which can be misleading because often when people die from that point of perspective of the end of that life and that time and that period, we can go back in time to other lives. It doesn't mean it has to go forward, so to speak, but the Kabbalah is really cool. It's mapped out. I don't really know much about it other than just an introductory bit, but yeah, human design also incorporates the I Ching which in Chinese means uh, the the changes. It's called the book of changes. And actually in Chinese astrology with a form that I practice and know about a little bit, it's called, well, it's called Batsi. That means eight characters, but the principal guiding information that holds the the Chinese astrological, astrological stuff together is five elements, but that's kind of a misleading translation because in Chinese, it's literally five movements or five phases, meaning that the elements themselves to conceptualize them as like 
elements, sometimes we think of it as being like stationary, like here is water, here is earth, here is fire. But the Chinese have built it in a language that really extrapolates upon the movement of things, the changes of things, how one state of matter, as we perceive it in that snapshot, is not actually stationary, but it's wanting to do this, or it's impeded by that, or it's going to this place or wanting that. So that's so it's like changes in influences of the different element energies. Yeah. Uh, like, for example, with my Chinese astrological chart, I'm a fire sign. So that's my vantage point. That's my perspective as a fire sign, but I'm endowed with about 50% fire by volume. And I've got like 38% earth and a little sprinkle of some wood and hardly any water, hardly any metal. So with my personality, that kind of comes off as, um, well, fire is engaging. It's warm. It's close. It's sparky. And at its best, it's joyful. At its worst, it's resentful. But earth, the amount of earth that I have in me also is very grounding and very inviting, uh, nurturing. I think people get that from my vibe a lot. So yeah, it can describe a lot of different nuances about what types of uh, personas you engage others with in your life and also about direction in your life, what you actually need. Because a lot of times when people are looking to readers and astrologers and psychics, they're coming to the situation with a want or a need or a desire or something they want to control. And often you'll hear the phrase, I'm going to tell you what you need to hear rather than what you want to hear. I myself had to say that my fair number of times. but human design definitely goes there with us, with people, with our engagements, with the reasons why we've got the endowments we do and the reasons why we have tendencies when we interact with other people's tendencies. And it provides a really detailed roadmap for the logistics of life which I'm pretty stoked about and continually. The question for you. Yeah. So since it's giving you some of those fire elements, water elements, whatever you have in there, could that possibly help you also with food? Because I know Chinese eat around that also. So like that might be something like, oh, well, if you have a lot of that, then maybe those are the foods that, you know, mm -hmm. you have enough of that you need the opposite of or whatever. First, I want to say RIP. To our plan with uh, talking about human design, we're going to definitely go off on this trail here. Yes, is the short answer. Uh, there's so much to say about that. Uh, okay. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to know if that was something that could possibly be. Okay. Oh, for sure. And you guys being herbalists, this will tickle your fancy in the same way it does for me too. Because a little bit of background too, I my introduction to herbs and how I got introduced to the whole kit and caboodle is from my experience with ongoing chronic illness. And when I had that happen, I was living in Asia. I was in Taiwan. And when no other modalities were working for me, when I reached the end of my rope, 
it was suggested to me that I try traditional Chinese medicine. And I went in to see an acupuncturist and she felt my pulses and she told me, you have too much fire in your body. And I was like, what? And uh, she prescribed me some powderized extracts, but over there, they mix them together. And then they tell you, okay, this much on these days and uh, this many times, yada, yada. But the whole system of understanding how to use herbs and why, including not just what's used, but what's used together and the quantities and the balance of everything put in relation to those quantities and the cooking preparation method itself, all our variables to that kind of stuff. And the language used to describe it is based off of the five phases or the five elements. So for example, if you're going to be creating a simple formula that's very bitter or a little bit more on that side, draining, cooling, and redirecting pathogenic chi or pulling it out of the body, that will have a lot of the fire element present in that energetic interaction. Very simply put, but there's obviously lots of little nuances with that too. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So I can just nerd out on that for hours and hours and hours. That's another podcast. Oh, yeah. oh for sure. For sure. It could, that could easily be a series. That could be like several podcasts. Yeah, sure. mm -hmm. Yes, several, several. Yeah. So going back, can you explain a little bit about actually what human design is? We didn't quite sure. go over that. Yeah. Um, so, we but I want to identify that for listeners so they know what we're talking about. Absolutely. So human design is kind of a way to explain for how different people have different needs and how these needs can work together in harmony or in contrast and what specifically happens because of that. So I'll give a little bit of an introduction. Uh, human design, uh, it begins with two different uh, groups of people on the planet. So there are what are called energy types and then non-energy types. So you and I, Karen, we are energy types. That means that we create our own energy. We are sources of energy that comes through as inspiration for us and we uh, project it out for lack of a better word to use. It has nothing to do with projectors, but we 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 put it out there, right? And then it gets uh, picked up and then used and, and whatnot. So in these energy types of people, there are two categories. There are manifestors and there's generators. So a little bit of history. On this planet, for most of human history, we've only had manifestors and generators. So there have only been energy types of people on the planet leading up to, I want to say like the mid 1700s. I can't remember the exact date that he gives, um, but uh, that provided the foundational basis for human civilization to build itself up in a way there was like a master slave relationship or a ruling class, working class royalty average Joe kind of thing. And so there was a big disparity. There was just a little bit of manifestors at the top. And then most of society were generators at the bottom. And to go even further back to our tribal roots, I 
picture and can see these early societies or early tribes of people where at night when it's really dangerous and the saber-toothed tigers are roaming around looking for people to hunt, most of the tribe are all gathered around a fire pit and their generators. And the conversation would kind of go something like, hey, Bob, how was the weather today? I saw that there was some clouds coming through and we really need that rain for the harvests. And Susan will be like, oh yeah, exactly, Jim. Like, this is what happened to me. How do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? And everyone's like, blah, 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 chit-chatting and the typical kind of thing. Meanwhile, there's that one dude who's crazy enough to be like, yeah, I'm not about those guys. And they're way off, like two miles in the distance with a torch, like looking around, poking at stuff, like lifting up rocks and like eating mushrooms and like talking to baboons. And they're they're the manifestors. They're the ones that are kind of just going off in their own little world. And human design kind of supposes that the reason that we had this is because we need the majority of people in the tribe to sustain what's built, to sustain what's there. And that's the main function of generators. Generators are here to sustain what is already there. They're here to lubricate the systems that we create, social, economic, spiritual, everything. The manifestors are purely manifesting. We're not designed to sustain anything that we create or discover. And the reason that we're the minority is because if the whole tribe were filled up with manifestors, we probably wouldn't last very long. Probably be a couple of days <laughs> word catches around that, hey, there's all these weird fools like running around all over the place, like these two saber-toothed tigers talking to each other in the forest. They're just way <laughs> too creative. They're way too inquisitive, like let's get them. So there is that delicate balance. And just like a pyramid in more advanced societies, you've got the rulers at the top. If you have too many rulers, it gets unruly. And then the whole system collapses and falls in on, its, on itself. So we, for hundreds of thousands of years, in fact, I hear millions. I think that I feel that human civilization has been around for a lot longer. It's just that we've had cataclysmic events that have wiped out those civilizations beforehand. We could talk about that in another episode too, but it's been that way for such a long time, just going and going and going. These energy types of people. On the other hand, there are what are called non-energy types that you, Carolyn, fit into. And these are new types of people that have come in since the 1700s because they say in human design that we as a collective society have a great need for observing what we're creating and sustaining to, in other words, to take accountability for what's here. Because when Armageddon comes or when hardship comes or when changes occur, we don't really have anybody or anything to shake our fists at because we've all collectively chosen where we are and where we're going. So the role, talk a little bit about the non-energy types. So non-energy types don't create your own energies, but what you do is you work with what is created and circulating. So your inspiration comes in a different way than people who produce their own. And the gift in this is that you can take what's there 
polish it up, sharpen it, intensify it by a magnitude of 10 and help deliver it. So you are the dot connectors, the pattern observers, the facilitators, the managers, projectors. There's two different types within the non-energy category. There's projectors, which are about, I think, 18% of people. So it's still a relative minority. It's about one in five people on the planet are projectors. And then you have what are called reflectors, which are the rarest type of of person on the planet. It's 0.01% of the population, I believe. And I personally have only ever come across one person who has that profile. It's my own younger sister. Wow. Oh, wow. She's like a blank canvas. And actually, when you look up the charts, and when, we, when we'll talk about this a little bit more in depth later on, the human design charts and the one that you showed me earlier, Karen, where you have all those solid colored centers, that has significant meaning. Reflectors have all open centers. It's all open. So they're they're like a puppet that reflects their environment, the people, the energies that they have flow through them. So, right? Like we've got all this variety going on right. and everybody's got their own strengths and weaknesses. And we're kind of like little puzzle pieces that can fit into one another. That's the basic premise of human design, but it goes so much further in depth. And to be honest, some of it go like I'm still learning about, but there are what are called gates and gates are access points for the soul's growth or the soul's learning or or for context and um, situations that can, I don't want to say produce, but but can um well not necessarily say manifest either but there's serendipity in the colors and flavors of how gates can align with certain people and there has to be the right ingredients in those individuals at the right time for those gates to connect the gates themselves are uh, attributed to the energy centers themselves the chakras themselves and like I was saying earlier, in human design, we say that there are nine energy centers or nine chakras, actually, because two were formed in the wake of the 1700s when this huge wave of projectors started to come through to kind of show us, yo, like, what we doing? What are we doing? Because <laughs> that's what the projector's role is. And I'm sure you can empathize with this, Caroline. Growing up as a projector has some very specific challenges because you have so much inspiration and you have so much that uh, well inspires you or you're interested in and with people you want to just go you want to just go there to them and just interject yourself and just like do that and it's been it, it's so incredibly difficult for projectors to do that because generators don't like spontaneity generators have this virtual desk where it's like, okay, what am I working on? I need to know what I've got to work on because in order to sustain something, that's what you need. You need to have that boundary of what is within the system and what's with outside of the system. But when you're a creative type like myself or purely creative type where you're only supposed to be pulling rabbits out of hats like 24-7, or if you're like you, where you're just like seeing what's there and connecting dots and finding better ways to uh, create or sustain things, it can get tricky because the 
auras we kind of project being either a manifester or projector doesn't always, it's not always received very well because we poke or we shoot arrows, or it's also been described that the aura of projector, or excuse me, the auras manifestors like myself kind of have this billiard ball effect where it's like, are you with me or are you in the way? And I've sort of had that my whole life. And that's been a challenge for me personally, because I love everybody as an empath and uh, I see everybody's potential, all their light, all their dark too, but not everybody is so eager or willing to just go there. Like I am always naturally just that way. So it can be a challenge for sure to see how we fit with one another, how we work with one another. But luckily with human design, there's there's a language and a system that elaborates on all those intricacies and nuances that can really help us streamline our logistics, our life logistics. And I suppose we could talk about the um, the manifesting generator that you are, Karen, and that I picked up on right away. And I'm glad I said that too, because I when you showed me that this morning, I was like, I was right. Because yeah. uh, it's like me personally, every single time I've met somebody that I have a really strong feeling that they're a manifesting generator, I ask them, I'm like, do you know your birthday? And let's look up your human design chart. Let's like, let's confirm this. And it's like, there you go. Bingo. Manifesting generators. I like to joke that you guys are confused creatures. Well, because I agree because it's like part of you that like, has this intuitive, you know, manifesting ability, but then you're like, you get like stuck or confused. Like, like where, where, where do I go? What do I do? Kind of a thing. Exactly. I don't uh, know how to explain. It, let me try. So, <laughs> so manifesting generators are generators, period. You're a generator that has a certain uh-huh. flair or flavor. You're like a spicy generator. Okay. <laughs> You've got the special sauce added. <laughs> so at your core, you do need sustenance and efficiency in what you do. It cannot just be only gung-ho all the time. It has to be replicable. It has to be sustainable with whatever you're doing. Now, the challenge is when you're trying to work with other generators, just pure generators, they don't have that natural capacity to see outside of the box because they don't have that inclination to do that. That doesn't mean that they're not inspired by people who do that. They themselves need a different process because that's how they are. But it can be frustrating as a manifesting generator because you see the potential, you see what's outside there, and you want them to be on the same page, but you want to take shortcuts yep. in everything, yeah. everything. Because like, yep. <laughs> you don't want to go through that process because the manifesting part of you is like, bro, this is dumb. Like, where's the freshness? Where's the newness? Where's the improvement? And so every single... Easy fast forward button. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like the movie Glitch or whatever with Adam Sandler, which is like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And then he gets to the end of his life and he's like, dang, like, oopsie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Slow down. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
enjoy it. <laughs> you know, every single manifesting generator I've ever come across has had this like jack of all trades, one man show kind of vibe going on where they want to be this tinkerer. They want to be this explorer. They want to be like this Nikola Tesla type of person. Like I bet you he was a manifesting generator. Probably. <laughs> to be able to have like, but the beautiful thing about being a manifesting generator in comparison to being a manifester like myself per se, is that once you come across a great idea, you have the wherewithal to sustain that idea and to see what is needed to keep it going. If you were a pure manifester like myself, it's imperative that you find others to work with, that you have a tribe, that you have a team, that you have support, that you have people that connect with you and hear what you're delivering and what you're bringing to the table. Because as a manifester, you're doing that only. You're only bringing new ideas, new creations, new freshness to the mix. You're constantly stirring things up and sharing stuff. So as a manifester, your uh, your modest apparandi, so to speak, your like motto for life should be to inform others because this took me a long, long time. And this is something I'm so grateful and thankful for with human design in my life. When manifestors do not inform, it takes everybody by surprise because we go fast and we go unpredictably and unprecedentedly. And generators don't like that. They don't like that. They don't mind new things, but they need to have a segue into it. They need to have like a warning sign, so to speak. Hey, the curve's coming up. Like if a manifestor is driving on a road, we don't care if there's no road signs, okay? We're creating the road signs. We're like, okay, by the way, that road right there, you're probably not going to want to turn left because it's going to go straight down into a gully. But then the, the generators are like, holy crap, like there's no road sign there. Ah, what do we do? And then they won't proceed forward, right? But as a manifesting, yeah. as a manifesting generator, you're going to be like, okay, yeah, you're going to be like making these road signs, but you're going to be like, oh my God, like, can I please find some untrekked paths here? Oh, like everything's <laughs> grill. I got to get out of the city. The 24 seven everyday kind of grind thing. Yep. That's definitely me. That's why you don't like the office mm -hmm. job. <laughs> no, I don't think no, any I of you guys like the office job. Do you? No, no me either. <laughs> So we are uh, definitely free spirits in that one, for sure. Yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't see that at all. <laughs> right? <laughs> Pretty sure anyone that walks up to us knows that. <laughs> no, I liked your guys' vibe as soon as, as soon as I entered that room. I was like, those guys, got to talk to them after the show. And luckily you came to me. And so I was like, there you go. <laughs> well, I mean, as soon as I saw you walk in with, you know, Chewbacca. Here. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I got to be Darth Vader for the next one. My alien spirits with me. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit more about your story um, and what you, when you offer. Sure. So long story short, in the nutshell, I... I'm a natural born psychic medium. So the easiest way to explain this, because I don't really like labels, never really been a fan of them. I see, I hear, I know, and I feel stuff in every way imaginable you could think of. I don't always get a memo for how it's going to happen or when, 
because I feel like I'm just as much an instrument of God, so to speak, as any other person that's walking around. There's a lot that comes with that package. And I, I like to joke because a lot of us that come in to this world, we don't know where the user manual is. You know, we've lost it. How do I be me with this? Because coming in, you can be very confused with all of the directions that you can be pulled without having that user manual or that outline. But from a higher perspective, and now as an older person uh, or at this time in my life, I can really appreciate how that's all part of it anyway. Because being psychic, at least for me, I know this is true for everyone else too. We don't know everything. It's not about that we have some sort of authority or that this thing is true or this, but we have an insight or a connection to the realms that inspire us in ways that might not be familiar. That's a good way, thank you, to put it. That might not be familiar to others because I think all of us have the potential to access those realms and have or will at some point or some lifetime. But another challenge for me coming in was I had memories of past lives that I didn't have, connect, that, that I didn't have context for. So for me, that imagination had to have an outlet. So I was constantly drawing how I got glasses too, because I was always I was always like this and everything and drawing stuff down art. And I was just like bouncing off the walls, happy. I was so into nature. And my mother says that uh, when I was a kid, before my sisters were born, when it was just me, mom and dad, and I was like, I was so young. I was like a year and a half old, two years old. Every single morning, especially the weekends, I would wake up before they would. And I would just quietly and calmly let myself out into the backyard without supervision, without anybody or anything there. And I would preoccupy myself. I would not need anything to distract me. And I was never really bored. I was always just dreamy, happy-go-lucky me. There's been some very contrasting periods in my life, let me just say. So, I wasn't always that way. Uh, you know, and there's still healing going on. It's an active thing. But that's kind of the basis of it. And it took me until I hit a brick wall, so to speak, with my mind, my body, my spirit in 2013. When I, at that time, I didn't realize, but only after the fact, realized I had developed autoimmune disease. So I got very, very sick. And it coincided with all of these other tower moments. If, if any of the listeners are fans of tarot, they'll get this. But where I was living a 180 degree polar opposite life to what my truth is, to what I should be doing. But in a greater sense, again, that brick wall and me hitting it was part of the plan anyway. So, because we, all of us, before we come here, we can see our life from beginning to end. It's kind of like we go shopping for a catalog of <laughs> lives and you pick out your parents and you're like, what kind of tendencies do I want? And what kind of experiences and setups do I want? Because if you want to make pasta, you got to have noodles and sauce out of tomatoes and basil and all sorts of other stuff. If you want to make that, it's, it's food. But if you want to make 
jambalaya, you're going to need, you know, some prawns, some clams, some corn, some potatoes. Both are food, but they're very different in the way that they manifest into this reality and and they have different characteristics to them. So I that's one way to explain people, I guess. Now can you tell I'm a Taurus using a food <laughs> analogy for people? <laughs> so you're a baked potato and you're the steamed salmon and your creme brulee. Uh, you know, we all got our differences to us, but but we're all here uh, in the feast of life, so to speak. So living, growing up was kind of very unique. I always wanted to try and fit in. I always tried to, I always felt like there was something wrong with me inherently. And that was also tied into a lot of experiences I went through, traumas as a child, and growing up in a kind of environment that was not only lacking in how it could accommodate uh, me being the way that I am, but it denied that and pushed back against it. So, but again, seeing at it from a greater perspective, you know, while my human self feels the torment of that or has felt or been through this and that and and everything but the my higher self sees that and dances at that because had it not been for that path and for all these experiences i would not have uh built this confidence from clarity that's so needed for everybody i i feel oh, and yeah, i'm kind of so- I'm, I'm kind of uh echoing the words of sadguru here i just heard it and it, and it aligned with it is a good way to explain for it <laughs> So if any if any listeners know of Sadhguru, it's this guru in India. He's been around for a while, uh, but I, I first started following him when I came back to the states, and I was at one of my darkest times. So, but he he's got a lot of insight that that came up. So we're all seeking conf like in our culture we seek confidence, but he likes to say, I'm hearing this now too, um, when confidence comes in a form that's not clear it's the most dangerous toxin on the planet it's the most dangerous thing because when like if you take some extreme examples right like with religion we won't name any names or anything but this has been with all sorts of different religions that have come and gone and they're still around the persecution aspect of it right where it's like this is the only way i've received the clarity it's like well you received a snippet of something and you think that's the ultimate ultimate. and that's your ignorance which turns to arrogance but a lot of us especially nowadays too even in american culture we're told that we should be hype and that we should uh, hustle and that we should, you know, go, 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 oorah, kind of like be a Marine when it comes to like hard work and perseverance and got to work hard to get good returns and blah, blah, that American way. <laughs> right. Like that, that's not the only way to do it. But if you see confidence that way, you're in your own echo chamber, you're in your own little lane that's got blinders all around that you've conveniently put up. You want to, arrive to clarity you know i'm just getting this hit now too a lot of the the clarity i've received in my life and are continuing to receive until i die are moments that we might colloquially say break us or bring us to our knees or really a better way to to put it is we have an enlightening moment that breaks us free from the 
confines, from the boundaries of where we were, our own limitations. Yeah. Mm. Totally understand that. So that's a little bit about where I come from. I do healings as well. So I call it ethereal calibration because people got to have a name for stuff, you know, but essentially it's working with the light body and the light body is the soul or the driver of the vehicle. The vehicle is your body. The wiring is your mind and the driver in the seat is the soul because the car can come and go, but the driver is forever. So I help people align in that way. Because, you know, the ankle bones connected to the knee bone when it comes to the soul, when it comes to the mind, when it comes to the body, there's always little access points and like, you know, blue fades into red and there's a little bit of purple in between. I kind of see it that way. So a lot of times when I do healings with people, we should talk about how you feel about that, Carolyn, like the after effects of it, because it can be pretty profound when you do that stuff. I've learned because I do the healing for myself and I do it mm-hmm. for others. And spirit really pushed me uh, in 2020 to put myself out there and be like, bruh, do this. I was really reluctant to do it at first, but I feel so in my purpose for doing it and helping out with this. It's kind of like a spiritual chiropractic adjustment. Like you still got the bones in your neck if you've got it out of whack and you can still work it. But oh, mm-hmm. baby, if it's aligned, If it's like some stuff is going to clear, some things are going to change, your perspective might alter from that. So it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, I still think things are are still popping up that like lead me in. I'm like, oh gosh, okay. I would. It can be. It can. It can be kind of intense. Yeah, but it was it was really beautiful though. I mean, the whole experience. We actually was going to do it in a hotel where we were doing the, the market where we were at, but we had to leave the market because um, there was a time frame. So we ended up doing the whole uh, thing right by a tree in a park. Yeah. Really, really amazing. Which- they're, my, they're my favorite environments to do that. I've, I've done a handful of people of, of the healings in forests lately. The last one I did, it was this guy, which I'm stoked about that men in general, I should say, are finally kind of being open to this kind of stuff and not just, you know, hammering down, clamping down on it. But we went into the forest and there was this fallen tree that in the middle of the healing, it kind of took me aback because it called out to me and was like, I would like to help. And I was like, oh, okay. okay. And then, you know, we just went with it and he had an amazing experience. He he was releasing a lot. And I find in my experience and with what people tell me after that healing, that things and people and energies and investments really in our lives that are for us, that are working, that are aligned, and those that are not become so much clearer. And it's really up to us on what we do with that. Uh, the healing isn't going to like fix you per se, but it it is going to align you. And if you've been walking with a crooked neck for like 15 years, if you get that neck straightened, you're going to see and perceive and feel things differently as you walk without a doubt. It can be a, a certain experience 
uh, for one person. It can be another experience for another, uh, depending on what they've got going on, how much noise is in the periphery, how much they believe in themselves, uh, how ready and willing they are to get to it. I find it kind of funny that spirit sometimes has to remind me that I need to give a disclaimer to people and let them know what they're getting into because in the past I've done those healings and not really said that. And then people text me later and they're like, Sky, what incarnation, what in God's green earth did you do? Like, and I was like, not guilty. Like, I'm just the messenger boy. I'm just the helpy helperton. Like, you know, I'm the surgery tech that's like there for the surgeon and he's like scalpel. I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> so it's amazing to me too. Like, I still don't exactly know what's going on to the depths that I do. And, and a lot of times when I'm doing the healings too, I get channeled information, but I, I don't retain it as well as I do. If I'm just like talking with a person, it's so hard to hold on to that as a memory. And one energy worker that I was working on last year at a metaphysical convention, really big one. Uh, she's so sensitive and she's such a star seed. Like her head is totally in the clouds. She doesn't have a single toe touching the ground as she walks. But at the end of that healing, she was like, Sky, do you know what you're doing? And I'm like, honestly, not really. She was like, you're traveling in between dimensions and seeing stuff, picking up stuff. And when I'm doing the healings, I don't, question anything. I don't have a memo. I don't have like an instruction manual, a guideline. I'm following my intuition. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes I literally hear things from my guides, from your guides. I see things. I feel it. I just know where to go and what to do. And tons of information comes up in the form of like images and, and audible stuff and uh, just knowingness. And then when I come to, and when the person I'm working on comes to, I feel bad sometimes because there's all this information that comes forward and I want to tell them, but it, it oftentimes it's not there. But then again, higher level, my higher self comes in and it's like, you know, there's such a thing as divine timing. Just because you can know something, just because you can dig into something doesn't mean it needs to be right now in this way. And I, like many other people have got control issues and got human stuff to work through. So it can be a challenge to integrate that. I'm still learning. Guilty. Guilty yeah. right here. <laughs> we need a gavel. Guilty. <laughs> exactly. Definitely, definitely. That's so amazing. I'm super excited to to do a session um with mm -hmm. you as well. Yeah, we're going to put one up on YouTube, everybody. To blog on that. And I also wanted to ask, uh, so for you, what's been like the most influential holistic uh, personal experience? Like, I know you've worked with several different modalities. Is there like one specific one or is it a collaboration of them all that have really helped you along your own personal, what I like to call herbal journey, <laughs> hence the name, mm. as far as your healing aspects for your audio moon and, and as you have been on this holistic journey. Mm. That's a beefy question. We'll, yeah. we'll, <laughs> it is a, a beefy question. 
there's so much coming through as you say that. And another thing I want to say too, just before I forget, another interesting thing about uh, being a natural born psychic medium for anybody that's in the same in the same situation. It's hard. I find it so hard sometimes to choose what I'm going to say out of all the 20, 40, 60 stack of information that's like coming through to me. It's like going to a river and being like, here's a cup. Okay. What am I going to fill? And there's like this water gushing around. you, like, and you can't hold it there. Yeah. That's going to be hard. I've been learning, you know, it's a 30 some year plus experience. And so we're constantly, you know, figuring out how I work best in this and letting go has been instrumental with that. I still go through some of this too, of just like letting it be releasing because we can see potential in people and we know what's needed and what's not. We kind of, the dark side of that is sometimes we want to be God and to push the buttons and to pull the levers for people and ourselves. And we need to honor that process. I have struggled with that, but as far as modalities and stuff, I've got, I guess, a premise to put onto that topic. And I don't mean anybody, any disrespect or anything you do you. And I appreciate how we all have different logistics, right? And this is a good topic to bring up after just talking about human design, but uh, generators, we we should also mention this too. Generators, like we were talking about earlier, make up two thirds of the population. So they are by far the majority of the people on the planet and it's needed to be that way, right? But growing up as a manifester or even as a projector, like in the sense of Caroline, we can get awful frustrated and sometimes even resentful of how the world can be in trying to navigate that because it's quite literally true. The majority of people don't work the same way we might. It doesn't mean that we're like not human or we're not part of the group or anything. We just have our specific tasks and we're we're a specific shape of the puzzle piece that that gets fit in with everything else. But modalities exist because there was some innovator, there was some explorer, there was some experiencer, there was somebody fresh on a new trail, so to speak, that gathered the sticks on that trail and the rocks and all the little daisies that grow along the side and brought it back home, so to speak, and was like, look what I found. Or they traveled on that path and then others started to notice what changes occurred with them and were inspired by that secondhand. And that's happened all throughout history with what we call sages and prophets Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's not that these people necessarily set out with a plan to like rule the world through religion or anything, but spirituality is inspired. So in my own life, there was a time where I went so gung ho into reading what was already written, looking into uh, this and that and that with this benign subconscious sense that I was lacking or that I just couldn't grasp this or this or that. And you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing to have that as a driving force in one's life because it's a double-edged sword, right? Like for example, being a perfectionist definitely has its negative side to it, but on the positive end of it, it 
compels one to refine whatever it is that inspires them. There's always a dark and a light side to everything. That's the nature of the duality in this realm. It, it just exists that way. Yeah. But we talk about healing, so many types of healing, even if it's a black and white kind of thing like herbalism, because like working with your body, it's not just working with your body. No. It's working with other parts of you. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. Right? Working with your and it's working with your spirit. It's working with other energies. I mean, it, other entities. It's just, yeah, there, it's connection, basically. And it has to kind of come from within and through guidance as well. I mean, that's how I feel. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. Energy work. I love how there are books and groups and followings and teachings and teachers and healers and plants and animals and all of that that comes together playing our own roles it's really that modalities exist as a way for certain people to be introduced to it to follow through with it, et cetera, et cetera. For me personally, and again, I don't mean this to come across in a bad way or anything. A lot of my journey up until this point has literally been, you know, already, you know, already it's been bringing me back to that. As far as like having the confidence to leap into that realm. And it doesn't mean that I'm manipulating or controlling anything. It's not that I'm that I have a plan of action when I do healings or when I do readings. In fact, it's quite the opposite. I have a totally empty head. The best reading sessions I ever do for people or myself, and the best healing sessions I do for people or myself is when I get out of my own way. And so when it flows through that way, and I, I just had this affirmation the other day too, I can't remember if it was a couple of days ago or if it was last week. See, I've lived past lives where... I've studied and devoted a great portion of those lives to that kind of traditional teach master, te like teacher, student, master, disciple setup relationship, especially in Asia. I, I've had a lot of lives uh, as Asian people in what we would call the past. But even having said that, most of the lives that I have lived are not from this planet either. So I'm deriving the inspiration, I guess you could say, from that yeah, yeah. also and um, just doing it. But again, anybody listening right now, like I'm a, you got to keep in mind, I'm a manifester. So that that's like what's natural for me. That's what's healthy for me. That's what I am to do. And it, it's taken many, many years to kind of, unprogram those insecurities that I invited in, allowed in throughout my experiences with life. So there's a good mix that, you know, I'm not saying that I'm like never going to read a book or listen to some other person talk about their modality or experience another modality myself. I'm all into that stuff. But I've had a tendency, this is just me, I've had a tendency throughout my life to kind of get hung up on that and to let that be more of a burden than it is a support because it, it kind of gets in the way, the 
flow, the, the most natural flow that I can align to. And so when I am trusting and when I'm totally in it, in Western astrology, I'm a Pisces North Node. So another way we can explain that is I got to be a dreamer. I got to be a dream boy. And that's how I'm going to invite things to my life. But you know, with the Pisces North Node comes the Virgo South Node, and which has been something I've been working on pretty much ever since. And that's with uh, control, like having your ducks in a row, having your plan, having your safety net, having uh, everything on the mantle, on the left here, on the second shelf there, make sure everything's in its place. That stuff, that mojo is not for me. It's not meant for me, but it is what I have been most drawn to as far as my shadow side has been concerned because I, I seek that comfort. I seek that that previous place of other lives lived as other souls. For example, one's popping up right now again. It, it comes now and then somewhere in China. I'll have to visit it someday. There's somewhere in China, there's a statue of me as that mm-hmm. person because I was like this perfect community leader type of person who who sacrificed myself completely for my town, for my group, my people. And I was all about that. Your business is my business. Your pain is my pain. We're in this together uh, kind of thing. And it was it's very Asian. It's very Chinese uh, to have that kind of relationship of co- what we would maybe in Western culture label as poo-poo and negative is like codependency, you know, it's a matter of perspective. So that's been kind of a big theme with me too. And it's definitely been very relative to how I'm learning, I guess what you could call my modality and what it is that I do and observing other people and kind of making connections and, and learning that way as well. But for me, it's been mostly like, how do you tune out the stuff that can easily become noise? Doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It's just that my antennas are so big and sensitive. I, um, as a kid, I've always just like flung myself out there and burned myself out again and again and again and again and again. And to trust myself to, to release that has been instrumental for me. But anybody listening, you know, if, if you're not necessarily resonating with that, that means that your path is different, that you've got your desires, your inclinations, what drives you purposefully, even if it's quote unquote wrong in the future, if you change completely, you have to enjoy process. You have to walk the path to get to the destination because every master knows that there are no masters, that students and masters are the same and journeys and destinations are the same. There's no distinction. Yeah. You have to go through it to, to really gain mm-hmm. the knowledge of what you're to experience and, yeah. and uh, learn. Mm. I don't even know if I would call it knowledge for me at least. And we can tie that back to human design too, because one little aspect of my chart is that I got an empty head. I've got a totally clear upper and lower Ajna. So in comparison with you, Karen, you've got like, you've got like solid centers up there, I believe, right? 
Is that the top triangles on your chart? Yeah, there's like a top one and a bottom one. And maybe we can like link some examples for people to kind of look at this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, In like the the show notes to the vlog, I'll put that as far as like where they can go and find their own charts and um, examples of charts. Exactly. Because, yeah, I. I was looking at it and I'm like, how do you interpret all these different things with your body? And so Mm -hmm. the way I understand it is that what I'm assuming is that these triangles or shapes Mm -hmm. are different chakra points on the body. You got it. Those are the chakras and there's nine instead of seven. The seven are the traditional chakra systems that we've had for Mm -hmm. thousands and thousands of years. When there were only manifestors and generators on the planet, but because Carolyn came along, we, we had a, we had a <laughs> change things around, don't yeah, you? Care? Mixed it up. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Stir the pot. Then, <laughs> like the those gates or the numbers connect the different channel pathways, mm-hmm. right? and those different channel pathways are kind of like what you would say. Uh, you know, if you ever get triggered by somebody or something in a particular situation or stuff like that, you know, it can be positive or negative, but uh, a good way to kind of like explain that in a nutshell uh, would be that. That's what the gates really are. They're talking about what's hooking up uh, with these puzzle pieces. The gates are like the end pieces of the puzzles. Okay. They're like the little, the little like wiggly, swirly, wiggly ding things on the edge. On the edge of the puzzle pieces. They're, yeah, they're not the general shape. The general shape is like your aura, your design, your energy setup, your chakra points, if they're open, if they're closed. But we can give an example, a contextual example to compare here because with your chart, Karen, you have, do you have the upper and the lower both filled in? You've got at least one of them solid. And I have. I have. So both of my upper triangles are white. Oh, really? White. Yeah, they're white. All of ours are white. white. And then like my center uh, is very colorful. So like she only has the right one. Yeah, like all of my lower chakras are colored in except for the one that is on. Well, when I'm looking at it, the right is completely white. Okay. Okay. That's so cool. I was wrong then. All right. So all of us are the same then. We've got, we've all got empty heads. Empty I was going to say when you said <laughs> <laughs> yeah. nothing up there. Oh my God. Holy cannoli. We got to have individual episodes where we like g- talk about specific people and then just like eat into you. <laughs> that's so cool. One gate connected, like a blue to a channel. Blue. One, channel. Yeah, one, one channel. channel. One channel. When I was born, connected. Because right. That's, that's wild. You're so open. <laughs> <laughs> You're so open. You're like me too. I only have four that are solid. Yeah. You only have two. <laughs> that's why I was like, wow. Why is her so? So in general, we can talk about these little points here in specific. So first thing I want to say is like. In general, the more open you are or the more like not filled in those centers are for your specific chart, 
the more important it is for you to understand environment, context, timing, people. You have to be discerning, okay. right? So you have to be like, I need, this feels good now. This is an energy I want to be among and part of because it will influence you. Any chakra, any energy point that's open is going to receive from some other person or some other community or area that has that solid and broadcasting out. So it's like anything that's open is like a satellite dish ready to receive. And anything that's solid is like an antenna or laser beam that's like focusing stuff out and putting it out there. Like a radar. Yeah. Yeah. I got one, two, three, four, five. I got six of them that are lit up. Yeah. Yeah. You're pretty solid. And there's different, there's different like pros and cons. There's it's like different situations to work with. So when you're all solid or when you're very solid, it means that basically as you go through life, you're shaping the clay that you are. It's like you have this blob of clay. You can't really like throw it away. You you have to work with it. So you have to shape it. You have to build it. You have to refine it. And it's kind of like solid in there for you. For example, with people who have heads that are solid, it can be extremely frustrating for people like us to talk with them and to inspire them on new topics and subjects because it's not that they can't learn it or can't understand it. It's just that they need to understand it through their medium. They need to have it fit and integrate into the sculpture that they've already got. But when you don't have a sculpture, the benefit is that you can try on sculptures for size. Yeah. Okay. So- I don't know if you guys have ever been like went to college or any, or like did any education or stuff like that, but like anytime you're in an educational setting and you've got an open head, it's super easy and fascinating and inspiring to learn new stuff. And we kind of like soak it up like a sponge, but conversely, it's so easy to lose that if we're not constantly practicing it, or if we're not in that environment with people that condone that and that reciprocate that. Yeah. That would totally be me. <laughs> yeah, me too. Always want to learn something new. Always want to do. You know, I have been. To- I'm surprised you are white. I'm surprised you're. Yeah, you actually retain it. That's weird. That's yeah, I'm white. surprised you're white too. You gotta be black. <laughs> oh damn, boys! <laughs> you got a white chart, like a carrot, and you got like a black chart, like a nice. Come down low, baby. <laughs> yeah the, so that's it's I, just have, I i enjoy that energy of learning something new or experiencing something new and so i feel like i i have that adventurous wondrous explorer mind and so i think that's why it's so opening and that's where like maybe manifesting you got to be open to manifest stuff for sure you know i like to experience <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it's sometimes it's hard for us to appreciate the flip side of it too because sometimes we can be so frustrated with ourselves for forgetting stuff or for like holding it there because it's like we have to like have more gumption and like we got to squeeze harder to hold that space in that place for longer. Right. But other people that just learn it once and it's there and it's like part of their goggles that they've got on, 
It's part of their reference system. It's like they're going around with a book and they can't just have like some crazy, like bright pink colored page from a book about unicorns just fit in automatically with what they've got already written. That's, you know, like leather bound mahogany. And it's got like a certain tone to it. That's like from a totally other world or place, you know? So people, we all have our, our, our struggles and our, what comes easy to us, what comes natural to us. So sometimes I like to notice and honor myself and appreciate how quickly I can forget something too, because it means that if ever there's any bit of programming, it's that much easier for me to kind of like leave it aside and try something new if I need to. It keeps things fresh. But like you guys, I also identify with that. It's like going through life. I have learned so many different disciplines and things. It's insane. Like healthcare and spirituality and art and music and political science and economics and herbs and cooking, uh, language and culture. I've been through all of that stuff. And if I really thoroughly confuse the YouTube algorithm because I watch everything. And it's like, seriously, like if I wake up on a Tuesday, it won't look like the same person's profile with all the suggestions coming in and everything. There's just not enough space for YouTube to recommend everything. And I'm subscribed to like 400 plus channels. It's a day in the life of an empty header. (laughs) (laughs) Open-minded. I feel like, yeah, you get, you can get lost on different rabbit holes and yeah and it's like an open minder is different than like open bodier too because like having an open body has different like implications and stuff and especially for me being a manifester with the way that i am a lot of my lower chakras are open so that means that if i'm in a certain situation i will not know when to quit I will not know when to throw in the towel because if there's a workaholic next to me, I will grind myself to the ground and go well beyond my boundaries or I'll have that tendency to do that because people like you, Karen, like if you've got some of those lower ones solid, you have a really good concept of what's enough, when's to stop, and that ties in with scheduling with time management, right? Which is I personally, I go like to that because like it don't work with me. And you know what I'm talking about, Carolyn, because you and I are like the same way. You can't, you can't have that because like we, that's the thing that's interesting about manifestors and projectors because like we are sort of like the outliers with the rest of them because we are pokey, we're sharp, and we like to just go and we're fast. Uh, you're a little bit faster or tend to be, but it, it's like they say that the aura of a projector is like a person shooting an arrow and you just boom, go. And um, you don't like to be bogged down by any of that kind of stuff. So it's really important that you fit with people that you're working with, that you're doing stuff with, that appreciate not only what you can see as far as patterns are concerned, but that trust your volition in guiding those dots to be connected because you're a facilitator. You're a manager of epic proportions. And it can be very difficult for projectors to function a lot of times when when they don't let go of people that just don't work for them, that don't see them for that, that don't value them for that. 
And it's like, when you want to be everybody's friend, you kind of can't be. And that goes back to childhood trauma and hurt from wanting to be part of a group and just sensing that people don't aren't really about you. And you don't know what's wrong with you because honestly, nothing is wrong with you. It's just that, you know, if they're like a big group of generators and they all need their campfire and they need their, you know, small talk and the weather and, and they need to hear about Susie's daughter and keep up to date. They're, what they're doing is they're taking things about their existence and putting it on their desk because they work within the ramifications of that desk, but we don't got desks. <laughs> yep. We're field workers. Mm, I'm a, oh, I was just saying, I was a field worker. <laughs> no, you're a field worker, but you're like, you're like, uh, you're like, gotta go back and forth. You're like, you're picking up the desk and you're putting it in the field. <laughs> yeah, I was say, that's more like it. There you yeah. go, there you go. You've got like this expandable pocket sized, like something a fairy gave you uh, in some enchanted forest. And like, here, here's a nice little desk. And all you had to do is add water and boom. And it's like, and you go into your forest and you're like, oh, she said, all I got to do is add water. And you like spit on it and bam, this like mushroom desk, like erupts out of nowhere. And you got a yep. chair and <laughs> And then fairies start climbing out of the trees and they're like, I didn't know you had a desk. And you're like, yeah. How do I do it? How do you do it? Exactly. How can I Where do that? I find mine? What? Oh, I need this. Let's make that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But luckily enough, there's, you know, there's a lot of manifesting generators out there. You just got to have faith and trust in doing your thing, but not getting caught up and feeling like you've got to be the only one to do it there. You have an advantage because you're kind of like a bridge to manifestors and generators in a sense. You can help facilitate that smoother. Well, mine made sense when you said mine was all open and white because my only channel and my numbers that are like together are like 28 through 38. And it said struggle, focus on caring for oneself and finding a purpose. So I guess Mm. that's why it's so open. I'm. I'm getting intuitive hits from that. And I just have to give a disclaimer. I don't know Jack squat about that particular gate. Uh I'm going to bring forward what I'm getting with you. Uh, Yeah. You're that tinkerer. You like to experiment. Um, But there's this need to resolve uh, a sense. I, I heard entitlement. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but it's like when you, you want to be an expert in all these fields that come to you because you want to refine it and shape it. But what's lacking is focused direction. It's kind of, it's like you're trying to operate the same way as your sister. Yeah. You, but you can't, you can't keep up. You won't ever be able to. No, I've realized that now. You don't have the same gears and everything. You're different you know, you got to, you got to honor that and respect that about yourself and don't take it so harshly that even if you have a topic or a trade or something that comes into your periphery that inspires you, it doesn't mean you have to be an expert at it. Right. Right. But then you'll connect with people who have that perfectionistic bone in their body. You'll like instantly connect with people like that because from the the beautiful side of that is that we're we're aiming, we're striving, right? Like per, all perfectionists are going the mile, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the positive side to that double-edged sword. So 
that gate has a lot to do with self-worth and what you can necessarily do or know or be. And so sometimes when you're talking with people, some people will be off put by the way that you talk to them. And it doesn't necessarily mean that there's anything wrong with you. It's just that they don't want to be in an environment that's primarily about like, how can we be an expert at all of these things that are being, that are being introduced to the conversation or to the situation? It's overwhelming for them. Often generators. Yeah. If you talk to a manifester, they'll be right down. Like I guarantee you. Like, as you and I could talk for days about that, because it's like, we don't put it on our, that's why we have to be understanding that generators become overwhelmed when we're just like piling papers on top of their desk and like, bruh, I've got to get this done by five, like get off of my desk. Like I cannot be working on this right now because they got to have that barrier to, to help them work with it. So, uh, I just heard it has to do with discernment. That'd be interesting to look at this later on and to see what that gate is actually saying, saying about, because I don't know anything in my head about that. I'm getting that message pretty loud and clear. I just saw the color red too. So I think it has to do <laughs> with the root chakra as uh-huh. well, like grounding basis. Like, wow. you, do you feel really uncomfortable if I you are- do get sometimes red or and yeah. Do you? I get the sense that sometimes you feel very uncomfortable or insecure if you're in a new situation, even if the people and the circumstances around you are easygoing and lax, if you yourself feel, I'm not yet an expert in this, or not even that, I don't know enough to have a clear perspective on what they all do. And if you feel like the odd man out kind of a thing, like nobody's going to be there to kind of like pick you up or to assimilate you. If you're struggling on something, you'll kind of like beat yourself up on top of it and be like, why the hell am I not able to pick this up? Why the hell am I not able to know this? Why the hell am I not able to shape myself in the way that they're shaping themselves? Even if everybody around you is just like, bruh, kumbaya, what the hell? (laughs) Well, it's a lot. Probably because also a lot of my stuff comes to me whenever just comes to me. So yeah, there's no segue. Like I just like, oh, well, no, to me, it makes sense. That's the way it's supposed to be. And then. Mm -hmm. And you're not necessarily wrong. You're not wrong. Everything sometimes just, it's not like somebody talking to me, but it's just like, no, that's, Mm -hmm. that's the way. That's how all my accidents I knew I was going to get in my broken arm. It's kind of like. Spirit, yeah, but yeah, spirit wants you to focus more on the dot connecting than the actual dots themselves. The people who focus on the dots themselves are like your sister, Karen, can do that. She goes, she's led to the dots as she travels on the line, but you're the line person, she's the (laughs) dot person. <laughs> Got it. And I'm the dude on the edge of the paper going like and then like it's going off the paper. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sick of dots. I'm gonna start drawing triangles and you know, do stuff like that. Okay, I can see it with them the way that is like she leads us into a certain thing and then cares like, yeah, let's do it and does it. I, I see that totally. Are you a generator? Just a straight generator? She's a manifesting generator as well. Wasn't I? Holy yeah. cannoli. We got two manifesting generators and you've got like a, a projector sandwich right now with like you guys as the buns. 
Yeah, I was one too. Yeah, yeah. We just need a reflector in the mix, or we need like a a pure generator, and then we can have like everybody present here. (laughs) I didn't do my daughter yet. She could be our reflector. I know. I can't (laughs) wait to do her. She's definitely not. She's too solid. She's too grounded. I feel like she's got a lot of solid centers. Oh, probably. She's got her head on straight, is what I hear. That's got nothing to do with human design. That's just me hearing what I'm hearing. Makes you feel better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's not a no, like she's a, a, not as much schedule a, must have. Yeah. Okay, maybe she's the pure generator. I think she's she the, pure, is the generator. pure generator. I'm I gonna really go do with that. that. She has to mm-hmm. like every five minutes. Make sure she's yeah. On she's definitely a schedule must time. Yeah. Yeah. Time I, and- I, mess up the time where i'm like let's mess up the time i always want to mess up the time i almost have like a visceral reaction sometimes to scheduling and like punctuality and stuff it's also because of some wounding i've had in the past of like being scolded and trying to be forced to be that way and trying to force myself to be that way too but you know every artist and creative you know we're on god's time when it comes, it comes, and you got to tap into that at that moment. You got to have that notepad on your side. You've got to have that uh, voice recorder next to you, or you've got to just honor the inspiration that comes when it does. And then you got to take like a five week nap after it. That's the, those are the logistics of a manifester. You know, we're, we're weird like that. You, I've been, yeah, it's like, you know what? It was meant to be, and this is the path we're on. So, you know, let's mm. just forget. You know, and move on. Yeah. So that really that way too. Yeah. We like the lubrication of life. Yeah. We like it to just go flow smoothly. We don't like to have processes hinder us along the way. But those are the directions we're supposed to take. Something that's cool about being a projector, though, is as as opposed to being a manifester, is that you can work on uh streamlining the systems that are already in place because you'll spot inefficiencies like a hawk i won't do that because i'm like i don't even care about the the gears that do yeah i appreciate them but it has nothing to do with my input or my role so to speak but your role on the planet is to help the generators get out of their caves and to be like Well, not necessarily those two, because those two are creative enough to like spark their own initiation, but they've got that lone wolf thing that they got to work on where it's like, ah, just do it myself, whatever. Like that's what they got to work on. But like a straight up generator, they'll get scared or they'll like, we need to figure out creative ways that they can be informed and to see what is coming ahead of them as far as the inspiration is concerned as far as where the efficiencies are concerned. That's why projectors make the best managers by far in so many different Fortune 500 companies. And when I've done readings for people in human design that have got like pretty high-end jobs, so many of them are projectors like in the corporate realm because they, they're they like the go-to people. And a lot of them, anybody's hearing this, I, I feel like a handful of people, like at least five people right now that hear this at the time it's published are relating to this hardcore uh, that projectors so often find themselves in circumstances where they get used because of that, 
where they're not valued for that. They're like, oh, you're my go-to person. You're my master jack of all trades kind of healthy helperton that can put on this cap and put on that name tag and this duty and that duty and kind of just be tossed around like that. When it's not really good for projectors to do that, projectors need to find one good thing or one area of expertise and put their foot on the gas and launch it to the stratosphere. Because that sharpness, that precision is what makes you so visible. But the trick to it is the visibility has been a source of contention as much as a source of striving since childhood. It's a catch-22 because it's like the more attention I get, oh, I'm kind of anticipating this could go south real quick. But at the same time, oh, I need this. I need this connection with people. So you'll go back and forth, back and forth between wanting to be like a hermit and wanting to just like be in the mix of stuff and getting exhausted in between. Uh, projectors go through that phase so often. Yeah, I totally see that in, yeah. in you for sure. It's like a light switch. Yeah, you're, <laughs> yeah. totally a projector, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This has been yeah. so cool. Yeah, I'm really digging it too. Right yeah. on with a lot of stuff. Lot yeah. Of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm it's super crazy, excited to uh, dive into. Me too. What is an investigating martyr? Oh, okay. So we never even touched on this other aspect of human design. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, no, I'm ser- I told you this. It's crazy, isn't it? And we haven't even okay. talked about the Eijing. We haven't even talked about the Eijing. We haven't even talked about the gates that much. We haven't even really talked about the energy centers that much either, but there's another aspect of it called a profile. And now okay. there's two numbers with that. The first number yeah. in a profile is your visible external personality. It's the skin that you wear in society. And the second number is your internal self, which doesn't touch the outside. It's the secret you. It's the subconscious. It's who you really are. In human design, they call it the not self and the self, and it comes together to form your profile. Okay. And the numbers themselves mean certain things, and the number combinations themselves mean certain things as well as far as like a trajectory of one's life or what would you say environment in which to for lack of a better word to project oneself within human design often uses like a house analogy they illustrate all these different numbers and everything based on a house and like there's there's shorthand reference for each number like the martyr or the uh, oh the role model or something like that. I forgot even what mine are right now, but I know that I'm a six two, and that the number six relates to my uh, personality part that's on the external world that everybody sees me as. That persona I typically take, where it's like I'm this kind of person that people are in awe of, and they're just kind of like, "How does he do it? He's like this magical unicorn that like." just walks on rainbows and like stuff just comes out and just, he knows how to do stuff. And it's also like, if you're a musician and you can just learn an instrument and just play there and like awe and inspire people as a kind of like sparkly being. But then the two is the hermit. So it talks about like my secret self is like how I feel personally 
regardless the others or the other people in my life and that combination of it, what it means for me. And they show this house. I'll find the graphic. Maybe we can link that too. There's a lot out there about this, but this, the number six, this person is on the roof of the house and there's like uh, one through six, it's like different levels as it's climbing, 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 climbing. And then the person on the roof of the house is like, why do I have to be in the house? I'm looking at the stars kind of thing. <laughs> and then the number two is like in the living room, locked away as the hermit, like doing their own thing, but there's like a window open so that people from the outside can look in, but the dude on the inside doesn't necessarily look out kind of a thing. And then there's a person like up on a ladder inside the basement, like repairing the wiring and stuff. They're the, they're the martyr. And then there's like, I think there's another type of person, like number five, forgot what it's called, but they're on the Verdana on the uppermost story. And they're socializing and networking with people because there's some people that just naturally are good at networking. They just, they build structures of people just without even having to do anything about it. There's lots to say about that, but I'll have to beef myself up more on, or re-go through all of that information before we talk about that again. Your perspective, I mean, is there a good like beginner spot to start with human design? Well, me being a manifester, I just sort of made it happen uh, from my gumption alone because I just led where I was interested. I was just really, really into it. And I'm hearing the voice of my mother echo in my head right now when I was a kid. She's like, she would always talk about my phases in life. And I, would, <laughs> I would get so engrossed in a topic or a learning or a thing to do or a modality or anything like that. And I would just be obsessed with that one subject for like an extended period of time. And then I'd kind of just like put it down and find something else to go to do that and do that. So it was kind of like that with me and human design, I was so inspired by it when it came up that I just had to digest as much as I possibly could get on it. And I was living, breathing, eating, researching into human design for like months and months and months. So I just went gung-ho on it. But what's cool is if you happen to be a projector, uh -huh. they offer you a scholarship or a discount. On, what? Yeah, because projectors are so very much needed in this time. And project, we didn't get into this either, but, but projectors are the most susceptible to programming out of all the types. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. okay. So it's important for them to get as much of a clear picture as they possibly can about stuff. So learning is very essential. It's extraordinarily important in the progression of a projector in the quality oh of the education that, that they have access to so that they can connect the dots. And so, yeah, if you happen to be a projector, like way back in the, well, not way back in the day, I was like way back in the day, like <laughs> when I, when I started learning human design at that time, it was like a crazy amount. They would give you like 90% off. Like they would, you just have to pay 10% of what everyone else is paying for all their modules, all their wow. certifications and their training and stuff. But there's so much material online, even just in YouTube videos alone that you can get plenty of information from. And a lot of the people who detail human design are themselves projectors on the oh, YouTube. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay. They like they they get into the really nitty gritty the technical aspects of it. They get to like the finest grain resolution of human design fabric that can be explained that can be uh, put into context. So it's really cool. They just go gung ho on it. It's like their thing. But you can find it everywhere. You can so many different places. But the website, the official website of it is jovianarchive.com. That's the original, that's the OG. They're expensive. They charge quite a bit. It's like several multiple hundreds of dollars for each. Yeah. And some of their packages are like thousands of dollars too. If you want to get like a certification and be official with them, me being a manifester or just me being the way I am, I'm like, I don't need that. Right. I don't need a piece of paper. I don't need a slip of paper. Right, right. This and that. Right. It's just it's my take on it. Sometimes I kind of giggle at people that present their certifications for Reiki and all the different like psychic intuitive uh certification, uh-huh. 40 hours. And it's just I I'm not trying to poke fun at them at their gumption or their drive, right. but it's mm-hmm. just it's silly. Yeah. How do you, what, what kind of the the whole premise of a certification system is to kind of outsource your own credulousness, your own, it's like to outsource your own ability to discern if this person is an expert or if that person is an expert. It's just, it's an extension of the system of control that humanity is trying to exploit upon the population. It's just what it is, an extension of it. If you want to get real deep with it. I totally agree. So I felt, I've always felt like, especially in the topic of spirituality, when there are no definitions to the realms that we inquire or that we go to, how ridiculous is that to go to a dimension where it's like, you don't have those limitations and you come back and you're like, I got to draw a box around what this is. It's like, I'm a certified shaman, you know, it's it's like USDA inspected grade double A shaman. (laughs) Yes. What does that even mean? (laughs) I just like to say I work with herbs. Mm -hmm. That's a sign right there that ego is not a problem. And that's another thing we can talk about sometime in another podcast, even within the love and light community, within the so-called woke culture, uh, there are so many people yet still, they're ego invested. They need validity. They need this and that. And it doesn't necessarily mean that their potential isn't there. It's just that the biggest giveaway for me, at least to tell if a person is legit or still on the path or the journey or just not where they're meant to be is when you talk to them and they start saying what they are instead of what they do. If you like enter a conversation, they're like, I am a Reiki master. I'm a psychic medium. I am a, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. They've got all these names and labels and you realize like it just multiplies and multiplies and multiplies. Like there's thousands and thousands and thousands of different modalities, but how many are there really, you know, it's like, you could could take like 17 of them and mush them into one ball. It's the same thing because that's a projection of the human desire to control and to have some sort of faculty over something. It's like trying to put a leash on something that can't be leashed. I was dating this girl one time, actually my twin flame. I was going to talk about my twin flame earlier, but then I just steamrolled myself. She was instrumental in me awakening to the healing capabilities that I can help with specifically. 
Oh, wow. Because you were talking about like how I learned my modality and everything and blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, yeah. It was initiated in me, so to speak. Like it, it just, it was awakened in me through her. Through her. Yeah. yeah. Huh? That's, yeah. that's all I heard. Recording in progress. Hello, I am Sky Chen. We are going to conclude our podcast. Thank you so very much for being here. You have another career. Make sure to tune in every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Central Standard Time for other podcasts. Thank you so much, Sky, for being here today on our Herbal Journey podcast yeah, and sharing you. all your beautiful knowledge you. and wisdom on human design and herbs and Chinese medicine. And I look so forward to all the more podcasts and rabbit holes that we can <laughs> send out. <laughs> Me too. Likewise. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate this. And I had a blast and to many, many more. Yes. yes. Oh my exactly. gosh. Agreed. Yeah. For sure. Definitely more. <laughs> <laughs> many more collaborations for sure. Thank you. Thank hey, you. Thank Aloha. you. Thank you. Aloha. Till next time. Mahalo for tuning in and staying to the end of another Herbal Journey episode. For more herbal and holistic tips and stories to support you on your herbal journey to living a healthy and sustainable lifestyle, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Green Witch LLC. Love our podcast and content? Want to help support us in creating more content? Check out our Patreon root membership, which gives you access to our Herbal Gaia Circle and early access and shout outs to our podcast. Find details on this monthly membership and other memberships at patreon.com slash herbal journey circle. Mahalo for tuning in to the end of another Herbal Journey podcast. Stay tuned for next month's episode as we have Kobe Aber, aka the Cajun Hatter, joining us to discuss his generational lineage of the healing modality of faith healing, or in French, known as Triter.